Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast. Another Sunbelt edition of the pod coming to you, episode 22 overall. Just make sure you're checking out all our other CUSA and American pods. Um, today, we're going to talk some G5 football and only G5 football. And I am going, this is Adam Luckett here. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Luckett BOS. Today, I'm going to bring on again our Appalachian State guy. I know they have a big weekend in Boone. You can follow him on Twitter at Radio Guy AC. It's our guy, Eggman Chambers. Eggman, how you doing, man? You ready for this big game on Saturday? Man, I am ready. I am um, not as I can. It, you know, I'm not as confident as I was maybe preseason because this Demon Deacon offense has looked stellar through three games. While Appalachian State, they played Georgia. They took. They did. They did away with Savannah State like they were supposed to. And then, man, oh man. Did we ever struggle and come out by the skin of our teeth uh, against Texas State and San Marcos on Saturday night? Yeah, before we get into uh, the, get just kind of previewing Wake Forest, they've been one of the surprise teams in all of college football this season. Let's talk about App State and their performance there in San Marcos. It was a very slow start. Um, Texas State has been playing some really good defense this year. Damian Williams pro- played his best game probably ever in college. And Jalen Moore has really struggled to get going. Um, what do you think the deal with is with the slow start with the Mountaineers on Saturday, and why is Moore, uh, I guess, struggling so much? As it seems, senior Terrence Upshaw has really been the more productive back uh, three games into the season. You're exactly right. Upshaw has been, you know, he was the reason we got back into the game on Saturday. He had that uh, carry in for a touchdown. He finished with uh, 60 yards on 14 carries. Uh, Moore has been silent. All season, even against Savannah State, he did not even really do that much. Now, he didn't play the second half, but still, he did not come out and play the way that I think a lot of Appalachian State fans would have hoped to see Jalen Moore you know, bounce back after that tough showing against a very good Georgia Bulldog defense. And he continued to struggle against Texas State on Saturday. Um, Lamb had another pretty good day of throwing the football, so he's been on point. But with Jalen Moore, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's changes on the offensive line. But Moore has been quiet as quiet can be through three games this season. Yeah, it's been interesting to follow that. It seems like the App State offense is struggling a little bit. What do you think they have to do to get those issues fixed? Well, first we need to get Shaden Matters and Darrington Evans back completely healthy. Matters did not play again against Texas State. He is our number one receiver. Uh, Thomas Hennigan, a true freshman from uh, nearby where I live, and he played at Northwest Guilford High School in uh, down in uh, Winston-Salem, Greensboro area where Wake Forest is coming up from. So they're going to probably be familiar with that young man's name, people from that area he's kind of stepped up and been that guy he's been returning punts for us he's been having to do his duties at receiver I mean we've not had our weapons to throw to that we normally would have even though it's not a stacked receiving core by any means but not having your number one receiver is going to hurt any team and I think you know Terrence Upshaw he's come out and he's shown that you know hey I'm here I'm I'm ready to compete for some carries too you know it's kind of like in a way that more has, it, I wonder if it's a mental block at this point. You know, maybe he knows that this offense is, you know, they they need him. But Upshaw's been there to take a lot of his carries, especially the past two weeks against Savannah State and against Saturday against Texas State. Terrence Upshaw took the majority of the carries. Yeah, I noticed that, and they're going to need both of them. I think this week 
They're playing a solid Wake Forest defense. Wake Forest early this year, as schedule hasn't been great, but they're absolutely crushing teams. Opened up Presbyterian 51-7 victory at home, then traveled to Chestnut Hill to take on a Boston College team. They usually play some pretty good defense, and they smashed the Eagles 34-10 and then crushed Utah State at home 46-10 last week. So that offense is going to really have to be on their game this weekend um, as they play a good Wake Forest defense. If you could, Eggman, just tell us a little bit about this rivalry. I know these are teams looking – it's looking like Wake Forest is, leads the series 14-7-1. and one. So it's a team that they played – that app has played in the past. Looks like all the ACC wins in the program's history has came over the Demon Deacons. Just, I guess just give us a little background on the rivalry and uh, how – how excited are fans from both programs that these two schools are playing on Saturday? Well, this is a big thing for Appalachian State and their fan base. I mean, Wake Forest and App State played for years throughout the 70s, the 80s, uh, the 90s, and even into the early 2000s. These two teams uh, played a lot. Uh, down the stretch, the last few games uh, of the series in 98 and uh, in 99, or I should say 97, 98, Appalachian State topped Wake Forest uh and also there with uh, in 2000, Wake Forest got the last win in 2001. It's usually a lower scoring series. Most of the games have been 20 to 10, 20 to 17. I mean, they've not generally been a lot of scoring in these games when these two teams play each other. It's because traditionally both of these schools are known for having pretty decent defenses, and these two teams play in each other. It's big for the school, for Appalachian State. It's a big thing for Wake Forest, too. Wake Forest coaches have talked about they look forward to this game coming back. And in a few years, App is going to go back to Winston-Salem. This is part of a home-and-home a -home agreement, and App will travel well to Winston-Salem, much like Wake Forest is going to travel well up to Boone on Saturday. They're expecting 34 to 35,000 people to pack Kid Brewer Stadium for this game. I mean, th this is going to be a rocking fan base. The Miami game was big last year because of who you're playing. You're the brand that is the Miami Hurricanes, and everybody knows what, the, you know, from all their past success throughout the 80s, early 2000s, and all that. But Wake Forest, to me, kind of, it, it, it hits home a little more because it's a school that's just 85 miles down the mountain. It's a real great opportunity for Appalachian State. They kind of lay that egg against Miami. I think that game got a little too hyped up and I don't think they were really ready um, for that moment, per se. I think they'll be more ready. Uh, this situation is not, you know, a nationally televised game. It's a little later kickoff, 3.30. And uh, that's a team that they're familiar with, with the Demon Deacons just being right down the street. And from an athlete and talent standpoint, App State is right there in the ballpark with Wake Forest. And, they did that, and they're going to have a lot of players that could easily start for Wake Forest. Last year, Miami, it wasn't the same thing. So when we look at, given our given your prognosis for this game, Aikman, App State enters this one as a five-point underdog as of right now on Tuesday evening when we're recording this in a total of 46. Uh, what do you, it's a game that I thought I, I know you thought, and it's a game I thought that App State could win at the beginning of the season, but now it's kind of changed as we're seeing that Wake Forest finally has an offense. Well, you're exactly right. And, you know, at five points, um, <clears throat> if you want my personal opinion, I wouldn't touch the game myself at, as far as from a spread standpoint. But, you know, if I was going to have to pick a side on this, as of right now, from my vantage point, I would take Wake Forest, Wake Forest with the way their offense has been playing. Uh, five points, I think, is, is low. 
But, you know, App State being at home, they could come to play because that we know the App State defense, you know, yeah, Texas State put up some yards against Appalachian State's defense. But the most important thing, Appalachian State kept Texas State from scoring when it mattered the most. You know, the, the game was low scoring, but the App State defense played ball Saturday night for the most part, when it counted the most. Yeah, they really saved the team because it was a brutal offensive performance. For me, I, you got to judge these teams on what you've seen now. It's been, you know, three weeks into the season, and Wake Forest has just shown us more. They've gone on the road already and beat an ACC team. So they're a veteran ball club. They've got a lot of juniors and seniors starting, and it's a big game for them. They want to get back to a, a bowl game, and if they win this one and finish, I believe they would be then three and zero in the non conference, and they already got an ACC win. It's setting up for them to you know get back to a bowl appearance. So I just like the Demon Deacons here, but it is at home, and App State is tough. But we just we just see more from that that Wake Forest team, and App State has really not lived up to their potential yet, and a lot of that has to do with you know missing those receivers on the outside. I agree with you 100%. You know, if I was going to – my pick for the game is Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest will win the game, but I think App State does put up a fight. But I think the five is too low. I think it needs to be something, you know, closer to, to 10 or so. I agree. Um, again, that's our game of the week. 3.30 kickoff. ESPN3 will be broadcasting that one. It should be a wild atmosphere there at Kibber Stadium. But we'll move on to preview some of the other action in the belt on this coming Saturday. No weekday games, but a bunch of action on Saturday. Another afternoon game is a 2 o'clock kickoff. It'll be 1, 8, 1 o'clock local time there in Mobile, Idaho, making the trip all, all the way to South Alabama. Right now the Jags are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Got a total of 54-and-a-half. looks like Idaho, they had after a brutal performance against UNLV, they really had a good Western Michigan team on the ropes up there in Kalamazoo. Well, yeah, you, you're exactly right. I mean, I think this is going to be a game that it's going to be a little bit more competitive than uh, what people think. Idaho needs this game. If you want my opinion, the way Idaho has played through three games, they have really let, I think, a lot of their fans down. And I think, that, I mean, in a way, that because I hopped Idaho up a little bit in some preseason articles we were doing, because I thought this team could battle for maybe, you know, that fourth place spot in the conference with what they had coming back and, and everything of that nature and what they were bringing in. But this team has played less than stellar football through three weeks of the season. For me with Idaho, it's been – their offense has kind of been the disappointment. They're only putting up 24 points per game. Matt Linehan has not played – I mean, he's played good. He's completing 66% of his passes. But the offense just doesn't have any burst, doesn't have any big playmaking opportunities. They're, they're still breaking in some receivers on the outside. I like their running back duo of Isaiah Saunders and Aaron Duckworth, but none of those are guys that are going to bust a big carry that can go take it into the distance anytime they touch the ball. So I really think their offense is lacking from that um, explosiveness standpoint. And then, of course, they just laid an egg against UNLV. And when they look back on the season, that could be a game that keeps them out of a, a bowl spot this coming season. But it's a huge game for them. It's one of many games for the South Alabama Jaguars that you could consider a toss-up game. Um, they, they dominated uh, a, a bad FCS Alabama and m team last weekend as Dallas Davis got his first start. But the Jags, are, their defense has looked pretty good. Now their numbers are skewed because they played two of the better offenses in the country in Ole Miss and Oklahoma State, especially passing numbers-wise. But they've been really stout against the run. And if they can stop that running attack of Duckworth and Saunders, I really, really, really like their chances to pick up 
their first conference win of the year. I do too. Uh, the way Idaho has played has just been uninspiring been to me, and I honestly think that South Alabama can pull this game off. I know you said they're a three and a half point favorite. Uh, this game is going to be close. I could see a field goal to seven points separating these two teams somewhere in that neighborhood, but I like the Jags to come out with the win here in Mobile. I agree with you. I think South Alabama, if I had to make a play, I would play South Alabama. I think it's going to be low, lower scoring than people think. I think South Alabama has some inefficiencies on offense. They're struggling to run the football right now. Xavier Johnson, the staff is really not giving him any carries for whatever reason. I guess they may be saving him for the season, or excuse me, for the Sun Belt season. For the year, he's only got 25 carries in three games. He's averaging a little over four yards a carry, but he's still a game breaker kick return wise. And then Wide receiver Jamarius Way is a good player. And then Dallas Davis, they just need him to take care of the football and then lean on that defense. The defense is going to stop the run. They're going to take Saunders and Duckworth out of the game, and I think um, they can rush the passer a little bit, get after Linehan, force some turnovers. And I like South Alabama um, to kind of pull away in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I like the Jaguars. I like what uh, they are doing on defense. People need to realize they've played Oklahoma State and Ole Miss. As you mentioned, Oklahoma State speaks enough as itself after what they did to Pitt last Saturday about how explosive that offense can be. It, I mean, it wouldn't matter. Any G5 defense would have a, a hard time slowing down Oklahoma State. I mean, I don't care who you are. So I like I like the Jaguars here. They're at home. They're going to be the favorite. Weather looks good in Mobile on Saturday. I think the Jaguars take get a win number one in the Sun Belt column. We'll move on to another three thirty game. Georgia Southern after uh, early week three bye week heads up to Bloomington to Indiana. Who and Indiana's a team coming off a of bye week after impressive win at Virginia. They of course. Uh, had to cancel their game with FIU due to the hur- the terrible hurricane situation down that hit the su- southern part of Florida really bad. It's a game, Big Ten Network. Georgia Southern really all we're I think we're all we're looking for here. Aikman is improvement. Uh, they've been they've been absolutely brutal the first two weeks. Man, it has been uh, it has been bad in Statesboro. I'm, I mean, I believe those fans are ready just to. Uh, just to set some demolition bombs off there along Paulson Stadium because it has been horrid. Now, we said a couple of weeks ago on our last podcast we did that we we said New Hampshire would be a tough opponent for Georgia Southern, not to uh, underestimate uh, New Hampshire at all. Neither one of us said that New Hampshire would win the game, much less dominate the game. But when you're Georgia Southern and you get dominated by an FCS team like they did against New Hampshire, the game was never in question. I mean, that just uh, an already horrid situation just got completely worse than what it could ever, I think people thought it could really get to. Yeah, the offense has just been absolutely brutal. For an option attack to only be averaging 2.9 yards per carry, it's just, it's just inexcusable, really. And then the passing game is giving them nothing. It's doing more harm than it is good as they've thrown more incompletions and completions and have thrown two interceptions already on the season. And so that if they got this Indiana game this week, and then they – They've got it like the the weird bye week where they, they they don't play next Saturday, but then they play midweek against New Mexico State or excuse me Arkansas State. Then play New Mexico State. They're going to lose this one. They're probably going to lose Arkansas State. There'll be a dog against New Mexico State, and then at UMass, maybe their only real chance for a win. But it's real possible when they go into this Georgia State game on November fourth that they could be zero and seven and 
I mean, Tyson Summers, it's just it's just a living nightmare. It could be just be a living nightmare for him. He really needs to they really need to show improvement and try to get something positive going. Um, because it's looking like a season where they could go two and ten, maybe even one and eleven. Yeah, I mean things are bad in Statesboro, and you know people may think that coming from an App State guy, oh, well, you're happy for that. No, because you know I I thought Georgia Southern was going to be better than what they are. I thought Georgia Southern would be right there contending for that fourth or fifth spot, maybe even trying to pull an upset bid, you know, here or there to maybe try to make some noise towards that upper end, but. That hasn't been the case. It has been horrible, and I'm like you. Indiana's a 24-point favorite. Indiana gave Ohio State all they could handle for three quarters, first game of the year. Well, I mean, I think we can agree if they would have played FIU, the game probably wouldn't have been in question that much because Indiana's offense is pretty good. I'll be honest with you. I like the Hoosiers minus 24. I do, too. The only – thing that gives me worry for this it's a tricky spot for indiana they've got a big road game against penn state next weekend that they're looking forward to after the strange bye and seeing how bad georgia southern is they're really not going to be up for this game so i think if southern has figured some stuff out they can maybe jump out to an early lead and shock the hoosiers early but at the end they're just going to have too much you know indiana's going to win big and for georgia southern like you were saying that you know them being bad, it's just not good for the league. They're one of the power programs in the Sun Belt. They've got one of the uh, some of the best fan support in the in all of the Group of Five. And when they're not good at the league, it's hard for the league to be good. I agree with you. I mean, you look at what Georgia Southern did their first year in the uh, in the Sun Belt. There, the noise they made coming up. I mean, they've done a complete 180 in a span of two years. Yes, they have. It's been brutal. And we've talked about summers all the all to nonstop, and we we don't really need to go on that anymore. It's just if he doesn't win, he's going to get fired. I think that's uh, pretty simple. But we'll move on. We've got a little battle down in the bayou as ULM travels to Lafayette to take on the Raging Cajuns. Right as of right now, Mark Hudson's squad's a five and a half point home favorite with a total of sixty one and a half. I'm expecting a shootout in this one eight minutes. Both of these teams have big defensive issues. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I think Louisiana, uh, the Raging Cajuns, have traded uh, defense for offense this year. I think Hudspeth, they've uh, kind of flipped hands in the you know Monroe. They once again are struggling on the defensive end as we expected them probably to do. You're right. I like a shootout here uh, down in the Bayou, but. If I'm going to lean away here, Louisiana came out and played very well against Texas A&M in College Station last week, and they were up at halftime. Then Texas A&M got it rolling in the second half to pull away. I definitely like the Raging Cajuns here uh, in this one. Uh, the the five-and-a-half points that you just uh, rang off, I, I think I kind of like that too because I think that – the Cajuns are just a step ahead of Monroe right now from where Louisiana Monroe needs to be. So I, I really like the Cajuns here, especially because it's that Cajun field in Lafayette. I like the Cajuns as well. They're entering this one with a 1-2 and two record. ULM's coming in at 0-2. I just think it's going to be a real shootout. This series has been going on for a while. Uh, UL Lafayette leads at 27-24. to 24. I I think just expect a lot of points. I know last year was low scoring, mainly on ULM's part, but that a lot of that had to do with a great Louisiana deep Lafayette defense last year. This year, not so much. So expect a lot of points in Cajun Field. If you, if you haven't checked out the 
UL Lafayette offense. You need to do it. New offensive coordinator, Will Hall, has came in and brought in a new system where it's hurry up, up-tempo. they got two freshman running backs in Trey Regis and, and Elijah Mitchell that have been really exciting to watch earlier early in the season. And then quarterback Jordan Davis is really playing some inspired football. He looks looks a lot like uh, the earlier QB play we used to see back when Mark Hudspeth had, I believe it was Terrence Broadway when they were, you know, competing for Sunbelt titles. Then on the other side, uh, Matt Beator, they blew a big opportunity when they hosted uh, Southern Miss last week. And they've got a quarterback battle going on. Caleb Evans and Garrett Smith, no one's really taken control of the job. Evans played a, uh, outplayed Smith after Smith outplayed him in the opener. So we're really, I'm not really sure who will get the start, but it's something they really need to figure figure out going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. That's uh, some things that's going to have to be uh, figured out. Um, Monroe, you know, showed some signs late in that game against Memphis, first game uh, of the year. You know, we kind of thought, well, wait a minute, this team, uh, you know, they, they did not go down without a fight. Against Southern Miss, they put up another pretty decent fight. Against the uh, against uh, Southern Miss last Saturday, their game against Florida State was canceled because of uh, the hurricane issues that we've had. So I think this is going to be a really good game. It's going to weather looks to be pretty good there in uh, Lafayette, but I just think the Cajuns are a step ahead right now against uh, Monroe from where they need to be. But I mean anything's possible because neither team has a defense. So this may be whoever gets the 42 points first wins this game. You will receive no arguments from me on that. And then our next game is battle of winless squads as Georgia State has the Charlotte to take on the 49ers. Brad Lambert's team is coming off an FCS loss to North Carolina A&T. Meanwhile, Georgia State lost to an FBS or excuse me, FCS team opener and then got shut out by Penn, a great Penn State team but they were able to get a little running game going as Taz Bateman ran for over 100 yards so that's something to build on going forward but it's a big game for both teams if either team doesn't get a win here that the season could get really ugly really fast well this is by far if we if we were going to pick uh, we gonna- one game that we could say is just our our doghouse game where it's just going to be playing ugly it's these two Georgia State and Charlotte, neither team has been anywhere close to impressive this year. I guess one positive that you can take away through two games with Georgia Southern, if you can find one, is that they finally had a back, a running back hit 100 yards. Now, it took him a ton of carries to get there, but Taz Bateman, Georgia State, finally had a running back hit the 100-yard mark, which is a, that seems to be something astonishing within itself, the way this team has struggled to run the football. Charlotte losing to North Carolina A&T, uh, a, uh, a school out of the MEAC conference in the FCS level. I mean, this game, <laughs> I mean, it could go it could go either way. I see Charlotte winning this game just as much as I do Georgia State because neither team, you, in, each team has performed so badly in the games they've played in. I don't know who to pick because I can just see it 50-50. It's a total coin flip. I think it was good sign for Georgia State last week that they got that running game going. Charlotte's given up right around 200 yards a game on the ground. So the, the Panthers should be able to go in there, hopefully, and get Bateman going. If they can get that running game going, I actually like Georgia State. Both these teams have turnover issues, and you really you really don't know what's going to happen. Um, when In an atmosphere like this, it's going to be a bad home, probably home crowd there in Charlotte. I think when those situations happen, I think it usually – helps a road team more than a home team. And so that's I'm going to give the edge to Georgia State here. But I really 
this is a total coin flip. You could, I wouldn't be surprised by any result if Georgia State won a close one or blew Charlotte out, or vice versa if Charlotte won a close one or Charlotte blew out Georgia State. Oh, I agree. I mean, this is a total. I would not touch this game spread wise. If there's one game I'm telling you to stay away from this week, it's definitely this game. And we'll move on to a, a little bit better matchup. So Mac versus Sunbelt Tilt. Um, I had a piece earlier this week when I, one of my articles I put up, I believe it was in uh, three things that I learned about the Sunbelt this past weekend. I believe they're one in 16 against group of five conferences. Only win was New Mexico state over New Mexico. So, I mean, that's just brutal. If this, if this league wants to grow, they got, they have to win some of these non-conference games after it coming off a bowl season where they were really successful. They've really kind of pissed a bed. Um, they've really led, They've really blown some good opportunities, and this is a game where Troy's the obvious better team over the Akron Zips, who enter one and two, and Troy enters at two and one. Troy's a fifteen and a half point favorite, total of fifty three. Um, I think I think the Sun Belt really needs Troy to really kind of smoke the Zips just to give them some momentum, the league with some momentum moving forward. Oh, most definitely. So they need. Troy to just steamroll Akron. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say. A crazy stat line through three uh, three games uh, out of your Sunbelt uh, teams. Uh, only Tyler Rogers, I believe, is through for New Mexico State has through more pass attempts than uh, than uh, Silvers has for uh, Troy. Tro- uh, Silvers is through 114 uh, pass attempts through three games. Now, that's nowhere even close to what Tyler Rogers is through for New Mexico State, but I think you're going to see the Troy passing game come out. I think you're going to see them light up Akron. I think Jordan Chun, I think he's going to do some interesting things here, and I think he's going to have a good day on the ground. I expect a a one-two combo punch, traditional Troy football, and I like the Trojans to win and win pretty handily here. Yeah, I like the Trojans as well. Akron does have a dual threat quarterback, so that's a little bit of something that Troy hasn't really seen to this point, uh, even though Montel, they played Montel Cozart in the opener at Boise State's um, kind of backup to Brett Rippon. But their deep Troy's defense has just been really impressive to start the year. I think they'll be able to shut down Akron just like they've shut down everybody else, and I like the Trojans big as well. And uh, that would be a nice, like I said, a nice win for the league. And moving forward, uh, Troy, I think that was a huge win they got against New Mexico State last week. I think New Mexico State was a team, if they could have won that, we would have really had to start looking at them as conference title contenders because they not only do they play Troy, but they also play App State and Arkansas State. And if they were able, most likely collective wins over either two or three of those those teams, if they would have won that game, and they could have been one of the better stories in college football this year, but it's all for not now as Troy went in there and won in a tough atmosphere at Aggie Memorial Stadium. Troy is going to be one of those teams, I think, after the setback to Boise State, you're going to see start to kick it into high gear and show and show people, you know, wait a minute, you know, this is still, we're one of the top two or three teams in this conference. They edged out New Mexico State uh, last week. New Mexico State is a much, much improved football team from what they were a year ago. I think Troy, uh, I don't think this game is in question. I think Troy leads at halftime. I think they lead for pretty much most, if not all, the game. I like the Trojans uh, here big. Yeah, I do too. We'll move on. Coastal Carolina returns home after losing Really, a game they were kind of out of at the beginning. Their defense really kept them in on, in it, and they really their defense played really well. But their offense turnover issues, and they still 
can't pass the ball. And now they're, they'll be facing a Western Illinois team that head coach Jamie Chadwell said at his teleconference is really one of the better front sevens in the FCS. And one thing they do is stop the run. Are you familiar with this Western Illinois program at all, Aikman? And is Coastal going to be in for a dogfight on Saturday evening with a 6.30 kickoff there at Brooks Stadium? Well, I'll tell you what, this is going to be a game that uh, a lot of Coastal Carolina people uh, may be familiar with the past couple of years. They have played uh, each other uh, a time or two, I know, over the past uh, three or four years in the span that Mowgli has been there. So this is a team that Coastal is familiar with. Um, Western Illinois is coming off wins over Tennessee Tech and Northern Arizona throughout their first uh, two games uh, of the season and uh, they've had a bye week built in there uh, last week. So they didn't play last week, so they had an extra week to get ready for Coastal Carolina. This is an offense that has put up a lot of points. Uh, They put up 41 against Tennessee Tech. They put up 20 against Northern Arizona. This is a team, a leatherneck football team, that can score the football. But I think Coastal Carolina's got better players here the a big difference in that UAB game was the two interceptions that Coastal Carolina quarterback Tyler Keene threw in that game. You know, you give a team like UAB uh, extra possessions like that, they're going to make you pay for it. So I think turnovers had a lot to do with it. I look for the running game to get back on track this week against Western Illinois and Osharmar Abercrombie, who is the leader of this Coastal Carolina team, especially on the offensive end. I think the Chanticleers get it done uh, this week. It may be close throughout the first half. I suspect Western Illinois to put up a fight because the Leathernecks are a very good football team. As I mentioned, they can score, but I think Coastal Carolina pulls away in the second half, and I like the Shawna Clears to get it back to the win column and go to 2-1. and one. Coastal Carolina got a really nice stretch coming up. I think they, they need to handle their business this week. Western Illinois, that's going to be a tricky team, and I like how the Leathernecks, which is one of the greatest names in college football, going against another great name, the Shanta Clears. I like how they match up with Coastal, but if they can win this, they really have winnable games coming up against ULM and Georgia State. We could be looking at a 4-1 team as they head into a nice stretch against Arkansas State and App State. Oh, I agree with you 100%. If there's any place for the Chanticleers to build confidence, it's over this next couple of weeks because when Sunbelt play hits, boy, it hits hard. Yeah, that's just what I'm saying. they got to pick up the wins when they can because that back half of the schedule is going to be brutal, as we all know. But we like the chance to get their second win under Jamie Chadwell. And they're really a program. They surprised me so far, and I think they surprised other people. If they can get that passing game going, they'll have something. And then a game that I wanted, I kind of wanted to, or gave consideration to make the game of the week, but it was hard to not pick App State when they're hosting a Power 5 opponent. But Arkansas State is traveling to SMU. Both these teams have been scoring points in bunches. 7 o'clock kickoff at night there in Dallas. Uh, SMU is a a 5.5-point favorite, the total 73. I think we're going to see a lot of points in this one, Aikman. Oh, I love the over in this game. Uh, SMU kept pace for the most part with a very high-explosive TCU Horned Frog team last Saturday. TCU pulled away uh, later on in that matchup. Arkansas State, you know they're a little uh, – they're coming off that big win over Arkansas Pine Bluff. That game was never in question as the Red Wolves rolled 48-3. And that one, they had a chance uh, just a couple of weeks ago to host Miami, much like Appalachian State did last year. They were unable to do so due to the hurricane issues. They kept pace with another uh, Power 5 team in Nebraska earlier on and now playing SMU. 
I honestly think that the that the Red Wolves, if they play their cards right, I think they can come out of Dallas with a win on Saturday evening. It's going to be a close game. SMU, they, they've been one of the more impressive teams to me in the group of five so far this year. I like them on their home turf. Arkansas State, though, has the offense to keep up with Chad Morris' high-flying attack. But I expect a close game there in Dallas. But I like the over as well. And really, it's good to see Arkansas State get back to their offensive ways. Last year, of course, they kind of struggled to score the ball. They lived off their defense and special teams. But now they're really throwing the ball all over the yard as Blake Anderson has taken over the offense. And they're looking uh, really, really strong. Yeah, they really are. And I I'm like where this team is heading. I think they're already better through uh, two or three games uh, into the season than what they were two or three games into the season last year. Remember how horrid that start was for Arkansas State last year. They're showing more stability this year. Uh, That offensive line has looked better than what we thought it may look. And I think uh, Arkansas State, you know, if they were to come out of Dallas with a win Saturday, you talk about a big feather in the cap of the Red Wolves. Yeah, it'd be a huge win. Just an absolutely huge win for Blake Anderson's program. Just a something to keep an eye on moving forward. Justin Hansen is probably Tyler Rogers' biggest competition. The Sunbelt Player of the Year honors has re- just, I mean, the season's young, but those two have really been lighting up opponents. So I look for him to have another big day against SMU's defense. Then another late kickoff, 7.30 Eastern time. It's a non-conference USA Sunbelt matchup. We'll see if the Sunbelt can get some wins over the CUSA this weekend as we got this one. And then Georgia State-Charlotte's one. And then the, our next game is also one. It's the I-35 rivalry. The Roadrunners are traveling to San Marcos to take on the Bobcats. And Texas State, Aikman, as you know very well, they performed very well as a big underdog last weekend. They did. And, you know, this game right back at home in the comforts of uh, Bobcat Stadium so who who knows? This could be another chance for Texas State to put something together here. They couldn't get it done uh, last week against Appalachian State. Uh, they came up one yard short of the end zone to possibly send that game into overtime or go for two since they're at home and go for the win. Who knows what they would have done. But Damian Williams looked really well at the quarterback spot for Texas State last week. Uh, Jalen Rhodes, a good running back for Texas San Antonio, uh, he comes in through two games with 164 yards on 30 carries. I think this is going to be a uh, interesting ball game, but I think the Road Runners may have just a tick too much for the Bobcats. I know Texas State's defense is playing lights out to start the season, and UTSA only put up 17 points against a bad Baylor defense. Now they did bring up light up the board for 51, but I think Everett Withers' team in a huge rivalry spot. They've got momentum after playing very, very well against Colorado and Appalachian State. I think they can ride that a little bit. And I think this is closer than people expect. I think people are underestimating this Texas State defense. It's looking like one of the better defenses in the Sun Belt. And I think they're going to play another one close, but I do expect UTSA to pull away in the end. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think Texas State with that defense can keep it close uh, through the first half and maybe through the first three quarters. But I think down the stretch when it is really going to matter, I think San Antonio is just going to have just a tick too much for the Bobcats to keep up with. And then we'll move on to our nightcap. UTEP traveling to New Mexico State. It's a big rivalry. The Aggies have lost eight in a row in this series, but they're favored by 18 in this one. UTEP just they're in a, just a huge mess. They just fired their offensive coordinator. Total 60 and a half. If Doug Martin cannot beat Sean Kugler this year, I'm not sure he'll ever beat UTEP. 
Well, yeah, if there's any year to beat the Miners, it's definitely this year. Tyler Rogers has threw for an insane through three games. The young man is 106 of 159 passing. He's already passed for over 1,000 yards at 1,130 yards and 10 touchdowns. Larry Rose has carried the ball 46 times for 228 yards. I mean, this has been a New Mexico State offense. I, I The 18 is what the favorite on the spread is. I think New Mexico State rolls by three touchdowns or more in this game. I agree with you. I think that UTEP is just in – they're just – they're – in a world of hurt, they have no future as of right now. It's it's a given that Kugler is going to get fired. It probably happens soon. Uh, that firing of the office of coordinator really just putting a band-aid on a gunshot wound. It's it's just a matter of time, and it's a team that UTEP has won eight straight. The Aggies haven't beaten them since 08, and New Mexico State hadn't beaten both their rivals, UTEP and New Mexico, since 2002. I think that happens on Saturday, and I think the Aggies win big. And they're a team to be reckoned with as a Sunbelt play gets going. I agree with you 100%. I think New Mexico State is going to surprise a lot of people. I think, you know, if, if there's kind of a way to, to put this, I guess you could say that New Mexico State is kind of, you know, we thought Idaho was going to be up there contending for that fourth or fifth spot in the conference. I think the two teams have kind of swapped spots from where we thought they might be early on in the preseason. I think you're going to see New Mexico State up there uh, competing for that fourth or fifth spot. I think they're going to give – they gave Troy a scare. I think that there's a chance that they give uh, Arkansas State or Appalachian State a scare when they, when they meet up. So I think, you know, New Mexico State, I think they're in for a very good season. I just hate it's their last in the Sun Belt, but if there's any way to go out – it would be on a high note of performing well in the conference in your last year. Yeah, I expect them to really drop the hammer on Saturday, and their their team they're going to end that brutal bowl bowl drought, and it's going to be really cool to see the Aggies in a bowl game. But that's all for the games on Saturday, Aikman. As we enter this week four, what do you think the league needs to accomplish this weekend? I think this week uh, it would be good if one of our teams could pull a high-profile victory. you got Arkansas State playing SMU. You've got Georgia Southern playing Indiana. You've got Appalachian State hosting Wake Forest. I think if we can have a team pull out a victory in one of these games against a higher-profile opponent, now I don't think it's going to be Georgia Southern. I think we can agree that they're the least likely of the two. But if Appalachian State or Arkansas State could pull out a win against a, a higher-profile opponent, I think that would do some some really good things for the Sun Belt. They've got to start getting some non-conference victories. App State over Wake Forest would just be huge. Wake Forest looks like a team that's going to go balling. If App State can beat a team that is going to the postseason out of the ACC, that would be a nice feather in the cap. SMU is a team that's looking like they could compete for – a title in the AAC. If Arkansas State could beat them on their home field, that'd be a huge victory. And then Troy need, really needs to hammer an accurate team that they're much better than. And then the CUSA, CUSA Sun Belt matchups, they need to win these. We need uh, that Sun Belt needs Georgia State, Georgia State to beat Charlotte, and they need either UTSA to beat Texas. They need MS NFs in. New Mexico State, excuse me, to beat UTEP. And then if Texas State can play UTSA close, I think that'd be a really good uh, uh, statement by the league and to prove that the CUSA is not 
that they're on the same level that no one they're not better than them if if they don't win a couple of these the CUSA is really going to have bragging rights and they're really going to look like the better conference I agree with you because there's people out there that still say that Conference USA is a step ahead of the Sun Belt uh, when it comes to some of these G5 conferences. A lot of people still think that Conference USA stands ahead of the Sun Belt, and what better way than to, uh, you know, quote, shut up the naysayers than have your our Sun Belt teams beat the Conference USA teams uh, straight up? And I think that there's a, a chance it could happen. I think, uh, I think. New Mexico State, they destroy UTEP. I don't think it's even close. Texas State, I would love for them to be able to pull the upset after that valiant effort they played uh, against my Mountaineers last Saturday. I would love to see them pull that upset over Texas San Antonio, but I just don't think it'll happen. And then Georgia and Charlotte flip a coin. It's as easy as saying heads or tails. Yes, it should be a very great weekend. I can't wait to sit down on Saturday and watch some college football. Aikman, Thanks for coming on, and thanks for doing this. Uh, tell some of the people what you've been working on the site here lately. Well, we got some uh, good things coming out at this point uh, here uh, when people's going to be listening to this on Tuesday and stuff. Uh, coming out, of course, App State uh, Wake Forest preview. Got to be coming out uh, this week. Uh, we're going to have that for you. Got a Q&A over with our friends, uh, uh, Blogger So Dear, with the uh, Wake Forest Demon Deacons. I've got a Q&A with them coming out, and uh, I'll get to work on a, a Coastal Carolina preview to kind of give you a little insight on the uh, Leathernecks coming to Conway on Saturday. It's going to be a good week at the side. Make sure you're checking out our work. Um, I'll, we'll have previews up for each Sun Belt game. One of the few conferences uh, on the in all of college football on our site where we cover each team and we get previews and recasts for each team. So make sure you're checking that out. And then uh, for, for me, Jake, I would just post the power rankings. We had no changes this week, but some changes could be coming soon as we're about to begin conference play. And then make sure you check out our Sunbelt selection piece that will drop on Friday. I give you picks each week uh, for against the spread and against the number and straight up. And I'm proud to say I have a winning record in all three of those. So if you wanted some uh, advice, just read those, and I can let you know what's going to happen and maybe win you some little money. And if you're not following us, or rather check us out as Underdog Dynasty on Twitter, and then like us on Facebook. We really appreciate that. And drop us a review. Um, that would help a lot and help us grow the podcast. Aikman, once again, man, thanks for coming on. We'll have to do this again. Absolutely, man. Can't wait. Going to be in Boone Saturday for the App State Wake Forest game in person. I'll send out some tweets. I'm sure uh, our main Twitter page will retweet those. So uh, it's going to be a rocking crowd in Boone Saturday. And uh, here's to say, and let's hope the Mountaineers could pull an upset. The rock is going to be rowdy, that's for sure. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll see you later.